if you guys didn't get the chance, please do yourself a favor and watch the documentary on Becoming Cody Rhodes. I would honestly, honestly, honestly recommend that you take all that time and listen to his story. I thought this was well, well produced. And I haven't even done the intro yet, so I I just want to briefly talk about it real quick because before I recorded I rewatched it for the second time and again like I said it was excellent I thought it was well produced and like it is a it was a really great um story about how Cody got into the business how um he did the like when he was in OVW and he inducted his father in the Hall of Fame and Vince called him and he's on the main roster even though he wasn't ready the dashing Cody Rhodes to Stardust, to him leaving, to becoming a big name on the independence, going to New Japan, becoming the American Nightmare. Yes, they mentioned, like if anybody's asking, yes, they mentioned New Japan. Yes, he mentioned Impact. Yes, he mentioned Ring of Honor. And yes, they mentioned AEW. You cannot have a documentary without AEW, without AEW being mentioned. And the thing that got a lot of people talking about this documentary was the fact that Triple H um, called AEW a secondary promotion. Now, the Triple H did talk about Rhodes' time in the rival promotion and his goal of becoming the WWE champion. Rhodes noted he left AEW for personal issues and what personal issues? We don't know. That's that's going to be kept quiet. Now he noted he left AEW and he wanted to um hold up hold up hold up. There we go. He wanted to achieve the first goal he ever had in his life. Now in that documentary, Triple H stated that it t- it's taking that gamble again and saying, "I didn't grow up dreaming of being a champion or the face of a secondary promotion." Now Now, let me be real when I say this. Like, AEW will always be looked at as a secondary promotion. Now, I know you AEW tribalists out there are going to be like, No, it's not, Shino. It's not a a secondary promotion. Um, Yes, it is. Whether you like it or not, it will always, 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 always be number two. Whether you want to admit that or not, it will always be number two. Now, Tony Khan had to respond to Triple H's comments. And this this just doesn't make any sense. Like, he brings up All In's uh, show, which has sold over 75,000 tickets, which is good. And we will talk about the first match that was announced. And possible rumored matches, only two that I've heard, that will be taking place. At Wembley Stadium. So this is what Tony Khan said. And I want to briefly discuss this real quick. Before I do my introduction. Um, He said we certainly won't be the secondary promotion in All In. We're number one in the UK. On TV with a record gate. I have a lot of respect for Cody. I know these weren't his words to be fair. But we're not secondary in a lot of markets. For the first time in a long time. WWE has been secondary in a lot of markets. I'm proud of where we're. We're at, and we're not taking a backseat to anybody. That's what Tony Khan said. Now, 
when you got people like Meltzer, you got other people who are saying, well, AEW will always be number two. Like, what does Wembley have to do with um with you possibly be being upset that oh he we're not number we're not number one and shit like like what does that have to do with with it and I know there's gonna be some people who's gonna find excuses and don't worry we got we're gonna have a lot to discuss on this episode believe me and I, I just feel like for me personally. AEW, I, I say this every time, they will always, forever will be number two. WWE has been around for a long, long, long time. And my brother and I, we were discussing this. And he brought up a really great point. He said, the only way they could be number one is if WWE like makes bad business decisions or they just crumble. They just crumble, like how WCW did it. Like how WCW did like, you will always be a de facto number two. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it is all about, like, this is what I'm I'm being real when I say it. It's all about keeping your mouth shut. I know they got to ask them that question, but all in has nothing to do with you being in the, in the market. It's not about that. WWE's been, a, they are booming right now. Like, you can say what you want about their uh, shows, like, trust me. But they're on a hot period at this time. But, I, and I'm not trying to defend WWE. I'm not pro-WWE, because WWE, they do have some faults. And we're going to get to that really, really soon. But there are times, this is why I just do not like being on the internet. Because the wrestling community is just toxic it is literally one of the most toxic environments that i don't like to be a part of i just like to keep things to myself but I, here i am on a podcast talking about this to all of you but if you guys have have the chance watch the documentary on peacock if you have peacock or i don't know if it's on paramount plus in canada but you guys have to check it out it is really good it's inspirational and what i took away from that entire documentary is bet on yourself like always bet on yourself that's what i took away from it but this was a really excellent well-produced um well-produced episode not episode documentary but this is episode 226 this is episode 226 of no one's ready for wrestling as we talk professional wrestling and give my thoughts on the news that I read and the shows that I watch. For those of you who are new, I welcome you. I am the one, the only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. It is uh, your boy, uh, Shino Phoenix. And I want to thank you guys for everything that you've done. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to me on the weekends. It is SummerSlam weekends. Like, it is SummerSlam weekend. This, and you're probably listening to it on Saturday. And if you're listening to it on Saturday, last episode, I did my predictions for, um, like, I did my predictions for SummerSlam. If you want to take a look, that was also the same episode where I talked about my experience, I believe, on SmackDown. But if you guys want to know what my predictions are, please take a look at the last episode. And I am... 
Really, really proud of where I'm at right now this week. This week has been a blessing, to be quite honest. Let, let me be honest with you guys. And I'm, this is streamer mode Shino talking right now. I cannot tell you how blessed I am. Um, we reached 700 followers on Twitch. So I'm really, really grateful for that. And not only that, we also reached affiliate on Kick, which is one of the biggest goals that I wanted to accomplish. And I did. And I already got three new subscribers. Really, really proud of how my journey has been so far. So really, really grateful uh, to be with amazing people. But we got a lot to talk about. Um, we got news, major news, coming out of AEW. The Elite, they are resigning. They are staying with AEW. We'll discuss the reasons why they chose AEW over WWE. We got news on Kevin Owens when his contract is up. Like, he talks about his future. The next um, international event coming out of WWE. We got news on Randy Orton. What's his status for SummerSlam? And we got a major story coming out of Vince McMahon. And this guy just cannot stay out of trouble. He just cannot stay out of trouble. And also, we're going to be talking about Becky Lynch and Trish being pulled from SummerSlam. What my thoughts are about this. And uh, all this and so much more. And trust me, it has been a newsworthy uh, week, to say the least. Now, here's a little programming note. I did not catch up with the G1. I will um, get back into it. And on the next episode, I will talk about it. It's just been... It's been a busy week. I had to do a meeting at my job, so I've rarely had time. And not only that, streaming has been a thing as well. So I'm going to try and balance it out as much as I can. But I really, really appreciate all of you who are listening or who are taking the time to listen. But like I said, we a lot to discuss. This is going to be an episode you don't want to miss. And we, we will start talking uh, NXT's Great American Bash. What did I think about the show? That's the first thing we're going to start the show off. But if you guys are new, like seriously, if you're new, make sure you follow me. Make sure you follow me on X. I, I'm still going to say Twitter. Um, it's Shino D Phoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, and on occasions... Um, uh, Impact, a New Japan, or any other wrestling stuff. And if there's any news that's newsworthy, I will talk about it on Twitter or X. I don't like. I, I prefer to call it Twitter. Like, really, Elon Musk? Really? We're gonna make this joke all the time. But, and I also do it to promote my streams and do my Wednesday shoutouts. And speaking of my streams, if you're not following me on Twitch, we will be celebrating on Tuesday. For 700 followers, I will celebrate this milestone, which means we're only 300 more from reaching 1,000, which is the big goal for me as a streamer on Twitch. But I do stream on uh, I do stream on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's where you can find me on Twitch. If you want to find me on Kick, you can find me 
Sheeno Phoenix, all of them are Sheeno Phoenix. I will be live Monday and Thursday night. So we will sprinkle Thursday nights into the streams. And and I'm going to do a long stream on the weekend on kick to celebrate me reaching affiliate. So I'm really, really excited for that. That's going to be um, something I, I just can't wait. Like, seriously, I, I'm super excited. Like, I cannot thank all of you who made my dreams a reality. Uh, follow me on Instagram. That's Cool Man Sip. I'm, I'm going to possibly change it to Sheeno Phoenix, but who knows. But it's Cool Man Sip. It's CYP. Make sure, make sure, always, always make sure you follow me there. I will be posting. I've been posting a lot. And I've been posting on my Instagram stories. So come see what I'm all about. And follow me on TikTok, Shino D Phoenix. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Shino Phoenix. No, yeah, Shino D Phoenix as well. And like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. That way you guys can stay up to date on the podcast. And with that out of the way, let's get right into the show. And let's talk NXT's Great American Bash. Briefly, just quick thoughts on the show. I thought it was average. Like, not one of their best, but average. I did like the pre-show match. We had Dragon Lee, Nathan Frazier, Ulyssa Leon, and Valentina Faroyce, or Faraz taking on Metaphor. I thought this was fun. This was a really, really fun match. high pace. All action. Everybody looked good in this match. I thought everybody did their spots pretty well. And they they absolutely killed it. They absolutely killed it in that pre-show match. And it got a lot of people excited. Dragon Lee, he won with a running with somersault DDT. Or as I say, Destino. to On Oro Mensa to get the win for the baby faces. And that, that was a really, really enjoyable enjoyable match but we kicked off the main card with the nxt tag team titles on the line as them gallus boys defended their titles against tony d'angelo and stacks of the family and i thought this was a really good opening match i thought this was fine for what it was and it's not like how would i put this it's not um bad i i just enjoyed it for what it was like i enjoyed it and I literally predicted we were going to have new champs. And that's what we got. We got new NXT Tag Team Champions. Which, it was it was time. It was time to pull the trigger. Gallus, they lost the titles to the family. And I was happy for Tony D and Stax. Their first big win. And I can't wait to see what they do as the tag champs. We had a Weapons Wild match, which I thought was pretty good. So far, two string good matches. We had Roxanne Perez in her hometown. Her mom and her sister were watching against Blair Davenport. This was this was nice. I'm not going to... Like I said, this was a really, really good, nice, energetic match. Um, and I really loved the drama with Blair and Roxanne. And I love that they showed a side of Roxanne that we, like, just more violent, not all smiles, happy-go-lucky and shit. Like, I want to see Roxanne just be that person who can, um, who can, um, 
literally, how would I put this? Literally make, uh, like just be serious instead of being happy-go-lucky. But she brought that energy in that match. And I enjoyed it. And Roxanne, in her hometown, got the win, which made sense. Now, I don't know if there's going to be a rubber match because both women are a winner piece. And honestly, there's really nothing else left for Roxanne to do on NXT. I think she should be called up to the main roster. I, I think that's what should happen. I think she should be called up uh, to the main roster. We had Gable Steveson against Baron Corbin. This match was not good. This match was not good. Like, I don't care what you think. This was not a good, good match. This was not good. When the crowd in Texas are rooting for Baron Corbin, when they're chanting for Baron Corbin, you know something is wrong. These two men, I, I just think they didn't have any chemistry whatsoever. Like, they didn't have any chemistry. I, I just felt that it sucked. Like, and the reason it sucked was because, like, they, they, were, they were just not ready. Like, I just felt that Gable Steveson was not ready um, to be in that position. Like... He's just not there. His brother does a better job. Like, Damon Kemp does a better job. But this match ended in a double count out. This sucked. Like, why was this on the card? Like, if this should have been on... This felt like... You know, you know what this felt like? You want me to be real? This felt like a television match. That's what it was. It was a television match that was not good. And I mean that in all the respect. It was not a good, good, good match. Because, like, I don't even know where I could begin with this. It was just, like like I said, it was it's just not good. Like, this is a match that I will literally, literally, figuratively skip. Easily skippable match. It's an easy skip to just say, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't watch it. it. It was not good. Now, to wash that stench, we had the North American title on the line, which I thought was really good. It was a nice step up from that disaster that was Gable Steveson against Baron Corbin. I thought this was, this was a great match. And I love the, um, like, I love the, resiliency from Wesley. He actually got riptide through the announce table. Dom went for the pin, but Wesley kicked out. Ali hit the 450, but Rhea pulled him aside. And Dom, being the snake that he was, which made sense, Dom retained, and we got to figure out what's next. And I, and I mentioned this on Twitter. I said this on Twitter because this is something that's been going on and nobody is even thinking about this but me. Literally, nobody is thinking about this but me. Because, number one, 
number one, and I'm being real when I say this. First of all, first of all, if, 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 big if, if you're going to have Rhea Ripley in her corner, okay? If you have Rhea Ripley in the corner, okay? Hasn't anybody thought about finding an insurance policy or somebody who could take her down to keep it fair? Let's see. I'm, I'm looking for the tweet right here. They almost had me when Ali hit that 450 splash. Either way, this was a complete step up from the last match. Dom Dom retains and... I literally said, has anyone ever thought about getting an equalizer for Ripley? Like, and I'm glad I'm not the only one who's who thought about that. Like, I'm not the only one. But anyway, that's that's how it is. That's that's what it is. We had Tiffany Stratton defending her NXT women's championship against Thea Hale. In a submission match. And I believe these two made history. Like they're the youngest. To compete. One on one against each other. I mean. This was not bad. It was just. It it just wasn't uh, at a level where. I would say. It was good. But. Like again. Tiffany Stratton. She continues to impress. Now. The ending of the match. Is a story. Andre Chase. Through the towel, and is going to create more dissent. Is going to create a dissension on what you're going to see on NXT when we talk NXT. But Tiffany Stratton, she retained, and I think this was their way of protecting Thea Hale. But again, you got drama that's going to be coming into play. And in the main event, you had the NXT Championship on the line: Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov. This was an excellent match. No shit, this was an excellent match. No shit. This was fucking amazing. Like, this was absolutely amazing, to say the least. Like, and, and I'm being real when I say this. It it was amazing because Ilya has never had a bad match on NXT. Like, that's that's what I'm taking away from this. Ilya never has a bad match on NXT. Every match he's in is just so fucking good. Like, you have to... Like, you literally have to take a seat and watch how great this man is. Like, he is so fucking good. And Carmelo Hayes... Need I say more? Carmelo Hayes is a fucking beast. Like, I, I, words cannot do it just... On how amazing, how amazing that these talented people can go out there and put on a fucking show like this. Like, they closed that main event perfectly. And I loved every second of it. I loved every second of it. Now, Elia did that torpedo Moscow on the outside to trick Williams and his head cart the NXT title. And I'm like, hmm, they're going to come back to that, which they did on NXT. And Carmelo Hayes, he hit nothing but net. And he retained. And overall, like I said, I thought the main event was excellent. 
The pre-show match was good. Uh, the women's match, it was okay, but it could have been better. Um, the North American title match was great. Skip Baron Corbin and Gable Stevenson, that was terrible. And the, the first two matches were good. So all in all, it gets like a solid C+. A solid C. That's how I would rate uh, NXT's Great American Bash. Their next event is going to be No Mercy. So we'll see what the card is going to be for that. Now let's talk AEW. Let's talk some AEWs. And since we're talking about All In, we are literally like weeks away. And looking at my calendar, we're like one, two, three, four weeks away for All In. And it's going to be one of their biggest shows to date. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is going to be something that everybody's going to look back and say, this is, this is really incredible, you know, like, I, I'm really excited to see, um, where we stand on, on the all in show, but it's happening on the 27th and the lead up to it has been interesting because there's no, well, we only got one match confirmed and there's no matches that have been confirmed for it has no, for it, it, literally, I can't even read it right now. Nor has the promotion announced how fans can watch the event, which it is going to be a pay-per-view th themed um, show. So it, it it is pay-per-view. It's going to be on Bleacher Report. It's going to be on Fight. Like, I'm just going to let y'all in on that right now, even though they did follow trademark for AEW Plus, which makes it a little bit intriguing if we could get a streaming service from AEW, if they're close to getting a streaming service. Now, Dave Meltzer pretty much noted on the daily update on F4W Online that sources have confirmed to them that Comcast, while not advertising it yet, is scheduled to air all-in on pay-per-view at the Wembley Stadium with the $50 ticket price. No, with the price tag. That would mean it would be on in-demand and all the cable systems would be expected to be carrying the show. This would be another confirmation that it would be a pay-per-view show, although other cable providers have yet to confirm. Look, it's going to be a pay-per-view. Like, we're pretty much... um, We pretty much know it's going to be a pay-per-view. It's going to be on Bleacher. It's going to be on Fight. And look, I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. I'm honestly looking forward to the show. I think it's going to be really, really good. And I know the UK crowd is going to bring their A game and uh, all in. Now, speaking of all, all in, Andrade actually issued a challenge for an all in match. Now, he wants Malachi Black. He got past Malachi Black in that ladders match, which I thought was, was really good and brutal. But he is issuing a challenge to Malachi. He says, I want the next one. I would like to see you face-to-face -face at All In London because you are European and it would, and it is with your people. Mexico versus Netherlands. And if that's the match, I, look, we already know Andrade 
and Malachi, they could tear the house down. Go back to their match they had at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. I was there. They, they, could, they could tear the fucking house down. Believe me. But if, the, if they announce that on Collision, I'll be on board with it. Because they're still feuding. They're still uh, feuding. They got a lot of time to build towards uh, All In. You only got four weeks left before the show. Now, John Moxley was supposed to be at a, a Revolver's Heat Em Up event, but apparently he's been pulled uh, from the event. And Kanosuke Takeshita, um, this happened on August 3rd. This happened pretty much uh, yesterday as I'm recording this. And... Moxley praised him for being one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And as of this writing, it's it's unclear exactly why Moxley won't be appearing at the show. Now, it's possible it has something to do with... um, Now, we'll talk about the Anything Goes match, which I believe that's what it was. But if that's the case, it is what it is. It is what it is. And we'll talk about the Anything Goes match because I got a lot to say about that one. Now, the big story coming out of AEW, well, there's one. The big story coming out of AEW revolves around the elite. And the question that was asked, should they stay or should they go? Should they stay in AEW or should they go to WWE? Now, granted, WWE wanted the elite to begin with, specifically... Specifically Kenny Omega. Specifically Omega because I know for a fact Omega is going to be one of the top guys if he ever goes to WWE. If the question, not if, when he goes to WWE. But I don't see him going to WWE. Because I just don't think it's the right time. And the answer was... That they are staying with All Elite Wrestling. They have re-signed a new... Like, here's the thing. There wouldn't be All Elite Wrestling without the Elite. There wouldn't be no E in AEW if it wasn't for Matt, Nick, Kenny, Hangman, and Cody. Even though Cody's in WWE. So it made sense for them to stay. Like, think about this for a second. Like, I want everybody to think about this for a second. What would the Young Bucks be doing... In a tag, to, tag team division. That's literally thin right now. Y- yes, take a few with the Viking Raiders. Like, I've seen Alpha Academy and Viking Raiders feud too many fucking times. They could feud with the Usos. That would be a match that's WrestleMania worthy. Hangman Page. I don't know what they're going to do with that guy. Kenny Omega. They're going to slot him to the top. But I'm glad that they they stayed in AEW. They're the heart and soul of... Of all elite wrestling. If they there is no heart and soul without the Young Bucks, there's no heart and soul without Kenny Omega, there's no heart and soul without Hangman Page. Now, AEW president Tony Khan wants to sign some of his biggest stars to new and long-term deals. Something he's done with Roosh. And now the elite, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks. Omega's deal was slated to expire in late January. But AEW extended the deal for the time he missed while out with injuries. 
And it was expected to be up by the end of this year. Had they not signed, WWE would have scooped them up instantly. That period was also in play for Paige and the Young Bucks. Sports Illustrated, they were the first to report that the Elite have signed new deals with AEW. And AEW's Twitter account also shared the report. The report noted each have signed multi-year deals with AEW. Omega and the Bucks will remain executive vice presidents. Now, quote. here's the quote. Up to this point, I've made the choice to sacrifice everything in the name of pro wrestling. I can't say that family or my kids influenced the decision to stay with AEW. I'm not married and without kids. But what I can say is that I am incredibly proud of my match catalog and wonderful people I've met and continue to meet. AEW not only allows me to continue doing what I love, what I do at a high level, but also the freedom to pursue some other passions I have in life, which after nearly 25 years in the ring have become more and more important to me. We're literally the E in AEW, Matt Jackson says. The elite are the main characters of this company. No matter how different AEW is now from its original inception, we are the DNA, which is true. And if you lose the foundation of your home, it eventually collapses, which is true. It'd be a lie if I said that that didn't weigh on us when making the decision. This was by Justin Barrasso. And, and like I said, that, that was one of the reasons why they, um, that was the Young Bucks reasons. Like, they're the, they're the, no, no, no. Kenny Omega, he wanted the, the freedom to pursue other passions. Nick Jackson explains the reduced AEW schedule compared to WWE schedule. If we're going to be honest, and the schedule was a huge part of it. I have a wife and three young children, and seeing them as much as possible was a big factor. I'm not going to lie, the money was a huge factor too. At this point of my entire lo- of my life and career, I just couldn't see myself being on the road half a year or even more than that. I have so much respect for the guys and girls that are able to do that year after year. We for sure could have made memories in WWE, but what's more important to me is making memories with my family. With the position we're in, I'll be able to do that and still make memories in AEW. And again, the big selling point throughout this entire story? Scheduling. Paige said this, AEW emerging as a legitimate wrestling company has helped drive us drive up bargaining power for wrestlers and others who work in the industry. Making a long-term commitment to a still-growing AEW, I felt was the best way I could help continue that progress. And they made the right choice. They, like, because I could not see the Bucks and Paige in WWE. Kenny Omega, more than likely, I could see him, but Kenny said he wants to have, like, he's doing, um... Like, he's um, he's not married. He doesn't have kids. Like, it's the match catalog that's important to him. It's the... It's him... 
not only allows him to continue doing what he does at a high level, but freedom is the most important thing to pursue some other passions. That's one of the big reasons why. Now, the elite, they actually went back and forth about going to WWE or staying with AEW. Now, WWE did have interest in all four wrestlers, especially with Kenny Omega. They wanted to make Kenny Omega the top priority. But for the majority of them, the reduced touring schedule for AEW was a factor in their decision. Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer noted that they went with a majority vote to decide whether they were going or had considered jumping ship to WWE. And Meltzer said, and I quote, no, not going anywhere. For people who think that there's like, I mean, and I, you know, th like that's how he's, that's how he talks. I'm, I'm being real. Like whatever that, that there's like Tony Khan is, whatever, you know, like losing any interest or cutting back. Like one of the things like, as you would, you would not be seeing, I mean, again, to get them to sign this early because they were willing to play both sides against each other, I mean, that's that was the deal. So he had to put up a great offer to get this thing signed. Now, they actually made the deal. I don't. Uh, I would. It was a couple of weeks ago. I don't know the date, but I do know the deal was already made. And he told them to keep quiet on it because he wants to announce it on August 2nd in conjunction with the 200th episode of Dynamite. And there's actually a lot of news today. You know, all over the world, really, I mean, just regarding, you know, AEW, there was a Portico article. Um, there was Tony Khan responding to Paul Levesque's claims, which I talked about at the beginning. You know, the, a thing on the Cody Rhodes special. There was a Sports Illustrated article with the announcement of the signing. And I mean, one thing as far as the signing goes is, is that the four guys had made a pact that they were going to stick together, whether it would be WWE or AEW. And they basically had made an agreement that it was going to be a majority rules and it had gone back and forth. But essentially, you know, Whatever it was, I don't know if there, if it's three or four or four of the four made the deal. But they all agreed that they would go together as a group, either the WWE or stay as a group in AEW. So it was not going to be a split up. And views changed, you know. People who think it that it was like, oh, they were never going to go or anything like that. There were discussions. There were votes that changed. There were things that happened since the pact was made. And I think the pact was made sometimes back, sometime back. But they are going to be in, and in the case of, you know, it's a multi-year deal. Have you heard that? All four. Yeah, I don't have it confirmed either. And it's supposed to be a secret. Whatever the number is, I do know, you know, as far as the length of it, of the uh, the stay. The number financially were very high because if they weren't very high, they wouldn't have signed at this point because they had until the end of the year to negotiate. And so obviously, a, 
So obviously a word and Tony wanted them signed now and made it worth their while financially to sign now to which the point of this is that he did the same thing with Roosh is that he's not shying away from spending money whatsoever. You know, it's not like that. There are thoughts of, of cutting back or anything like that, you know, as far as, as far as like, like that, but look, and and I'm being real when I say this, if they stayed as a pack, if they chose to stay, if they chose to go to WWE, like, like I said, envision what they, like, I want everybody, here's an exercise to anybody who watches what the young bucks can do, who watches what hangman page can do. Go close your eyes envision. Let's just envision for one second what they can do in a in WWE. Kenny Omega. Like, I'm closing my eyes right now. I can picture this. They're going to push him to the top along with Cody Rhodes. They could have a feud with Cody and Kenny Omega in WWE. He could feud with Roman Reigns. Kenny can feud with AJ Styles. Like, have him be a heel, which would be perfect. And he could be a face too. He could be a great heel. He could be a great face. The Young Bucks, I could see them feuding with the New Day. The Elite, Kenny and the Bucks feuding with the New Day when Big E and Kofi get back. Um, The Young Bucks can feud with the Usos. Hangman Page can feud with um, Gunther. Or Matt Riddle, I don't know. But I, I just cannot... Like, here's the thing. And here's a fun thing about the Young Bucks. They surpass a contract milestone that was previously held by two WWE Hall of Famers. So Dave Meltzer reported that Barry Bloom, legendary agent in the wrestling business, told the Young Bucks during the process that they surpassed Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as the highest guaranteed tag team in wrestling history. Now Bloom had told the Young Bucks as that as he knew. This was the highest guarantee any tag team in pro wrestling history has ever gotten. And that would include the highest contracts for Kevin Nash and Scott Hall in WCW. Although, obviously, comparing a 2023 dollar figure with the late 90s and straight dollars doesn't mean much given how much inflation has changed the value going that far back. So, yeah, they're the highest... Paid tag team, and I'm really happy for the Bucks. Really happy for the Bucks. They absolutely deserve that. And that's just how I see it. That's how I feel about it. But let me know what you guys think. What? But the Elite staying made the most sense because I just can't see them going anywhere. Like, I just can't see them going uh, anywhere else. You know, and that's just how I see it, you know, but I'm glad that they stayed. I'm glad that they stayed. There is no elite AEW. There's no all elite without the elite. And if they would have jumped ship, that would have been a big, big mistake on Tony Khan's part. A major, major red flag and a major boo-boo to Tony Khan's promotion.
But I'm glad that Tony Khan is making the offers for them to stay. And they're not the only ones. Kip Sabian is another name who resigned with AEW. So he's going to be staying for a long, long time. Now let's get into Collision. I thought Collision was a great show as always. They, like this wasn't... Collision has been on fire. They have been on a hot streak. Now this Wednesday, this Saturday, they're going to be up against SummerSlam. I won't be able to watch Collision. I'll watch it Sunday. But um, I'm going to focus on SummerSlam because I'm going to have some friends over for a watch party. But I really enjoyed this episode of uh, Collision last week. You had the ladder match, which I talked about briefly. Andrade and Buddy, they had a fucking excellent fucking match. Excellent way to kick off the show. And it was all for a mask. Which Andrade was going to win anyway. And like I said, lots of insane spots. There was a sunset flip power bomb off the ladder and onto another ladder. Which I guarantee your back will be hurting a lot. And it, all I can say is it was it was really, really, um, ins- it was an insane match. It was an insane match. I will recommend watching it. But Andrade, he got the win. Great stuff between both of these guys. They cut to Miro, who was with Tony Skiavon. But before he gets interviewed, he gets attacked by Nick Camarado and Aaron Solo. And that's what happened backstage. Really not much. So it looks like he's going to be feuding with, I believe, QTV. We'll see. We had an unappetite. Like, unannounced match. We had Darby Allen in action against Minoru Suzuki. This was fucking fun. I'm not going to lie. I thought this was really, really fun. This was a really, really fun match. Great stuff to see. Darby Allen, he got the win over Minoru Suzuki when Suzuki had the real naked choke and Allen pinned him while the choke was still hold. Now, after the match, Christian Cage appeared on the screen as... He makes fun of Darby Allen and says that things have changed since I've held the AEW TNT Championship before telling him that he's going to send him back to the to uh, the mail, well, to the mall, Hot Topic or whatever he comes from. And that still, this, they're setting Darby Allen against Luchasaurus up, possibly at All Out. I don't think this is going to be an all-in match. Um, we had Samoa Joe, he defeated Gravity, it was an easy win for Sweet Tooth, and for those who don't get that reference, Samoa Joe played Sweet Tooth in Peacock's Twisted Metal, which I did watch, and it was hilarious, it was funny, and Joe absolutely killed it as Sweet Tooth, and then we cut to Tony Schiavone, who is in the ring, and he's with CM Punk, what's in that red bag, you may ask? Now, CM Punk stops Tony Schiavone, and he lets the crowd chant. And he then goes on about how people not wanting to talk about things, he says, and that he's the first wrestler to speak about Wembley Stadium. He says maybe he might know if he has a match at AEW All-In by the end of the night. He said that Ricky Starks is the reason for what's in the bag. And he reveals... 
the actual AEW World Championship. Um, he says that I'm the real champion, and the crowd is booing him, and he takes this can of paste, like spray paint, and he sprays the X in the middle of the title. He says that nobody has pinned me for this title. My blood is still on it from when I beat Moxley last September. And he says this symbol is I'm straight edge, which means that I'm better than everyone else. He says this title belongs on collision and is not stolen, unlike his catchphrase. This brings out Ricky Starks. And he grabs the mic. Well, first he makes a joke. He's like, I want everybody to pretend that I didn't I didn't come out. So restart my music. Came out, did his interest. That was hilarious. And he comes out. He tells Punk that, look, he deserves the title that Punk has on his shoulder. And he calls himself the face of collision. And they agree to face each other next week. And Tony Schiavone announced that the special guest referee is going to be Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So, I thought this was a great, great segment. And, look, I I know this match is going to be good, but we know CM Punk is winning. Bar none. He ain't dropping this real championship until he feuds with MJF. I feel like that's the direction they're going to go with. We had Bullet Club Gold. Taking on Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and El Hijo del Vikingo. It was the Guns and Juice Robinson taking on the Baby Faces, which this was a good match. This was a really, really good match with the heels going over. And like I said, I thought this, I thought this was good. We had Mercedes Martinez. Great to see her back in action. Taking on Kiara Hogan. This was fine. With Mercedes getting the win. And she beat uh, Kiara Hogan. With, I don't know what submission hold it was. But she won with a submission hold. And she wouldn't let go of the hold after the match. Which brings out Chris Statlander. She helps Hogan. But Martinez attacks her with the title. And tells the champ that I'm coming for the gold. Which brings out Willow Nightingale. So it looks like we're going to have... Uh, Mercedes taking on Chris Statlander for the TBS championship. And in the main event, we got FTR against Adam Cole and MJF. This was an excellent main event. This was a really, really excellent main, main event. I enjoyed every second of it. And they absolutely killed it. That's the best way I could say it. They... Absolutely killed it in the main event with MJF taking the pin. The champ taking the pin. Now, he took the pin for uh, Cole. So, after the match, Cole shakes MJF's, well, FTR's hand. And MJF, he's upset that he blew it. So, Cole gives him the world title. He says that he lost the match and he gave him a pep talk. And MJF, he looks like he wanted to hit Adam Cole with the belt. But Cole, he just turned around. He's like, go ahead. Hit me. Just hit me. And, but he can't do it. He looks distressed. Cole's telling him, do what you got to do. 
and they embraced. The crowd actually reacted to that, and they are still friends. And that's how Collision ended. This was an excellent, excellent episode of Collision. AEW Dynamite took place at the Yuling Center in Tampa, Florida. And this was their 200th episode of, uh, of Dynamite. And we started things off with Chris Jericho and Konosuke Takeshita taking on Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. Uh, I, I thought this was a good match. Really good opening between these two. And, like, I also love the story with Chris Jericho. I don't know what side he's going to be going with. But during the match, uh, the ref was distracted because LOL AEW refs. Um, he, I believe it was Daniel Garcia who got hit. With Floyd the Bat by um, by Don Callis. J Jericho looks confused. He looks disheveled. He's like, what are you doing? But he goes for the pin and pins Daniel Garcia to win. So it, it's like creating a little bit of a tension. Between, like, he's conflicted. That's the word, conflicted. And he doesn't know what to do. Now, but this was a fun, this was a good match. That's what I, all I can say. It was a good match. We go to backstage to Tony Khan, and they showed a lot of video clips of AEW's history, like Moxley getting paradigm shift on the top of a glass table, the pandemic stuff, the Brody Lee tribute uh, episode, the tribute to Jay Briscoe, like many others. We could go on and on, but AEW has created a lot of history moments in, in a long time. Ever since they started the promotion. Now, Renee Paquette catches up with Chris Jericho backstage. And before he could say anything, Matt Menard confronts him and says, Look, we're having a mandatory Jericho Appreciation Society meeting. And again, I sense a breakup with the JAS. It's going to happen. It's time for them to fly their wings. We go to Jack Perry who's in the ring with Tony Schiavone. And he pulls the microphone from Schiavone immediately. This poor guy. Like, he's in the ring. He's just trying to interview them. And you just take the microphone away from the guy. So, he's telling Jerry Lynn that, look, I gave you a week to prepare for this. And he demands Lynn to come out and take his ass kicking like a man. Which Jerry Lynn appears and he says... You don't run the show. And as much as I'd like to make an example out of you, um, I won't because that would be nothing more than child abuse. Now, he says he doesn't run the show either because, and he can't get clear due to his neck. However, I did make a phone call to an old friend who, is, who can still wrestle today. And that person was Rob Van Dam. RVD comes out. Big reaction. Comes out to Pantera. And, like, Perry, he backs away. But he attempts to do the sneak attack. But to hit RVD. But 
he avoids it and he tries to kick Perry, but F, but um he escapes with the uh through the fans. And next week is gonna be a one time match. Is gonna be Jericho, not Jericho, um, RVD against Perry for the FTW title. And I would not be surprised if, if Tony Khan gets Sabu to compete against to compete against Jack Perry. Like we know he's a big, big mark for uh Sabu. I don't want to see Sabu wrestle, period. I don't want to see that. And I hope TK is aware of that. We had a really good Anything Goes match. It was Trent Beretta, John Moxley, and Penta El Cierto Miedo. These two had a really, really good match. And this is where I'm going to draw the line here. Pile drivers on the thumbtacks. Pile drivers on the barbed wire. It should be over. But no, you kick out. Like, and I love the pile driver. It that should be the ending of the match right there. But it's not. But it was a bloodbath. And the shocking thing, you want to know what's shocking about this? The shocking thing about this is the fact that John Moxley did not bleed. He did not bleed at all. And that is something that I, I just cannot wrap my head around. He did not bleed in an anything goes match. But Trent, he got the win against Penta and John. Now, after the match, Moxley locks in the sleeper hold, and you see Claudio and Will Uta come in, and then Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor come in. The best friend. And despite the jump start, it is the best friends that win in the end. And Taylor calls them out for a parking lot brawl on Rampage. So that should be pretty fun. I'm looking forward to that. We go to MJF in the ring. And he admits, I'm a little emotional. That's that's the story of my life. I'm I'm always emotional. <laughs> like I, I get emotional too easy. Like it, it and it's it's that big big habit that I deal with. Like I tend to get emotional all the time. All the time. But anyway, he says he has ADHD and with that comes with other disorders. And the one he struggles the most with is rejection. He can't regulate it and that can make life difficult for him. He says he has been bullied, abused, cheated on, battered, beaten up in the past. And he, and he, um, blacked a lot, lot of it out. One of the things he remembered is the one when kids walked up to him and threw quarters at him and says, pick it up, Jew, who boy, pick it up. He still wakes up in a cold sweat about it. And he decided that, that if he wanted to survive this life, he has to stab people in the back before they could stab him. However, he's starting to realize there's no way to, that's no way to live as while he protected himself as he became one of them and became a scumbag himself. And 
Like he said, it's hard to be vulnerable, which that is true. It is true. And open, and he knew it would kill him if he opened himself and was rejected by the fans. However, he is not scared anymore. And that's because of all the fans. All the fans. He's like, I admit it. I'm still a scumbag, but I'm ready to be the fans scumbag. A person who taught him he could tr- he could trust and be vulnerable. And that he deserves a friend and Adam Cole. He calls Adam Cole down to the ring and Adam Cole comes out and admits MJF impresses him every day. It's not just because he's one of the best in the world, but because of the man he's uh, becoming. Now, Cole admits, look, I used to be a jerk because I was scared as well. And he says, Max, Max is becoming the man he was meant to be. He says he's incredibly proud of MJF, and the, so are the fans. He says he called Cole out because he made him a promise that that was that he gives him a world a shot at the world title, and he's concluded that Cole doesn't deserve a match. He doesn't deserve just any match. He deserves the match in front of the most historic crowd in the main event, Wembley, all in. So he hands the contract to Adam Cole. Cole doesn't read it. Keep keep this in your mind. Cole doesn't read it. He just signs it, gives it back to MJF, and they hug. And we go backstage. Roddy is pissed. He's freaking out. He's he's like an ex-lover who doesn't like seeing you with other people. That that's the best terminology I could use on uh Right there. That's the best terminology that I could come up with. Now, the kingdom, they point out that he's forgotten about his other friends. And I I believe Roddy was part of the kingdom. I'm not sure, but... But I I enjoyed this segment. And we got our first match confirmed for for AEW All-In. We got our first match confirmed. Now, there are rumors. Now, we do know the Will Ospreay stuff, is, it might be against him and Jericho, which I, I don't think is... I mean, it should be good, but I honestly prefer Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. Speaking of Kenny Omega, there's a rumor that Kenny might have a match against Kanosuke Takeshita at All In. And we'll talk about the what the women's match might be Heading into uh, All In. But I, I enjoyed this segment. I really did. We had the Elite. Taking on Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Jay Lethal. I thought this was a fine match. It was fun for what it was. The Elite, they got the win. And after the match, Paige says that we were signed with AEW. And they're happy to be here. And here's to the next 200. Omega says what... Whether it be Dynamite, Rampage, Ring of Honor, or even Collision, he has to throw that jab. You'll see more of them. And for that, I bid you adieu, good night, goodbye, bang.
And I and there there you have it. I, like I said, this was fine for what it was. They aired a great video package of AR Fox and Swerve Strickland showing up at Nick Brain's uh training uh garage. Like and they jump him and those he's working with. And Nick Wayne was a bloody fucking mess. And he was trying to call Darby Allen. And Darby, like he called Darby, but Swerve uh, answered. And after that, he just left Nick Wayne in a pool of his own blood. This was This was great. And I love how personal this feud got. Like, I love it. I thought this was just enjoyable. We had the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles on the line. Why the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles were on the line, don't ask me. We had Aussie Open. They retained over Commander and El Heel Del Vikingo. This was a really good match. There was one part of the match that just... Like, I don't know how these guys do it, but it's just so impressive. You had Commander and El Heel Del Vikingo. Like, they were on top on the top rope. They do a springboard moonsault. Like, they were just holding on to each other. They did, like, a springboard moonsault on the champs. That was insane. That was absolutely insane. But Aussie Open, they continue their winning ways. And in the main event, we had Hikaru Shida taking on Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. The women main eventing uh, the 200th episode. And we have a new AEW Women's Champion. Two times. Hikaru Shida is a two-time AEW Women's Champion. And I thought the match was good. I thought it was good for what it was. And it looks like the direction I could see them going for All In. I could definitely see Hikaru Shida defending her title against Soraya. Do I think it's going to be a good match? Nah. Do I see them pulling the belt, putting the belt on Soraya? Yes. Do I think it's the right time? No. What I loved about this match in this title win was, look, during a pandemic, Sheeta has been one of the key factors in that women's division. She carried that AEW women's title during the pandemic when there was no fans. And she gets she got the opportunity to win the title. Uh, by the fans, like actually with legitimate fans. And this was a big moment for her and I couldn't be more proud of her. Now, overall, I thought the 200th episode was really good, really fun episode, but I do have to address the elephant in the room. The women's division has been the big talking point, not just in AEW, but in WWE because the bookings have been pretty bad. Now, I did see Lufisto's interview, and and I know people have give Luf, are giving Lufisto a lot of shit, but does she care? Of course not. And I met Lufisto back in 2018, really one of the nicest people ever who is passionate about this shit. Now, she detailed her experience with AEW, her issues with AEW. So independent veteran Lufisto has caused quite a stir online, and her latest explanation may shine a light on some of the issues in the AEW women's division. 
On July 28th, she took to Twitter to take aim at the company, claiming some women have too much power and talk trash, a trash talk newcomers in the locker room, leading to speculation about those involved during her one AEW match in April of 2022 against and Britt Baker denying any involvement in Lufisto not being signed. In a lengthy interview, which is like 50 minutes, I would recommend that you guys take a listen to it. Uh, Lufisto opened up just some key things. She opened up on her experiences with AEW before, during, and after her six-woman tag team match on an episode of Dark Elevation. In April of last year, among the issues covered in depth, Lufisto detailed an altercation with Dustin Rhodes and Ruby Soho, claiming Rhodes referred to the French-Canadian people as assholes backstage. During an interview, Lufisto also recounted negative experiences during a three-minute match and Rhodes' criticism afterwards. Now, Lufisto claimed that, that Dustin accused her of making the other girls look bad. She also pointed to organizational issues behind the scenes in AEW, specifically a scheduled meeting with Tony Khan regarding coaching position with the company that she says fell through. Now, following all of this, Dustin Rhodes actually responded on Twitter by tweeting, Hey, Lufisto, read your story, and sometimes as a coach, I have to be very honest and won't ever tell you a lie about how good or bad it was. Sometimes hard love comes out and wouldn't have it any other way. I hope you find what you're looking for. Now, Lufisto actually tweeted this out and this got um this got a lot of people talking in the social media world. So, this is what she said. This is a thread on on X, on Twitter. Still calling it Twitter. Fuck it. Had, this is what she tweeted. Had a one hour phone call with a current AEW talent. The woman who did, who actually addressed the problems I did today were the ones sent home by Tony Khan. There was a meeting to shoot on Thunder Rosa and that Khan attended before leaving, he reminded them that their segments were the lowest. When some girls arranged a meeting to talk about Baker's crew, one of them ran to Britt to let her know. The girls that wanted to address the problems were the ones punished. Things didn't get better. They got worse. The legitimate wrestlers believe Tony doesn't give a damn about women's wrestling. And feels like they're going back to the Divas era. Ask me who the fuck I, am I. Tell me I'm irrelevant and that I'm doing this for attention. Call me a liar. Tell me to kill myself. You keep on, you keep on closing your eyes and support human beings with shitty behaviors. With the message of support and especially the, the phone call I received from an AEW employee. This nobody did the right thing. And look, and look, 
And let me be real. And it's not just AEW. WWE's at fault because everybody on Twitter is doing this we want equality on Twitter because I was going to save this for uh, Monday Night Raw, but I, I might as well just talk about it right now. Like Becky Lynch and Trish, they were supposed to be scheduled. They were supposed to be scheduled on uh, for SummerSlam. But their match got pulled. They were building towards this match, heading into SummerSlam, but instead it's going to take place in Winnipeg. And I and I I I could, I could be honest. The booking of the women's division on both WWE and AEW needs improvement. There's a lot of things that they can improve on. And look, you guys can shit on Lufisto all you want. You could you could just try and shit on her, but. Let me tell you something. This woman has been around this business. She knows what's right and what's wrong. She's been there for a long, long time. And she is really, really knowledgeable. And fun fact, before I even did the podcasting thing, before podcasting became a thing for me, she was actually the first wrestler that I ever interviewed. Like, literally. Literally, she was... The first wrestler that I got to just talk to and be honest. And I, I was really proud of that. Like, I was so, so proud that I got to talk to uh, Lufisto. Because she, like, she understands. Like, she knows what's right, you know? She knows that... um like she like she knows how to uh be honest and honesty gets you everywhere cuz she's been wrestling for 20 plus years 20 plus years that is a big big deal and like i'm i'm just she knows this she knows this cuz I don't know what's going on with AEW. Like, in injuries can happen. Injuries happen. Jamie Hayter's going to be out for the rest of 2023, which sucks because she's going to miss all in. Thunder Rosa is still recovering, so she won't be able to be on all in. The Bunny, she's going to be making her return soon, but we don't know what the future is for Jay Cargill. Jay Cargill might be on her way out. And look, I don't blame her. She has a kid to raise. Maybe she doesn't want to take bumps, but that's on her. But I feel like AEW could do a better job booking the women. And I was discussing this with my brother. Like, Athena, as great as she is in Ring of Honor, she should be... Like, she's one of the best performers they got. And yes, her holding the Ring of Honor title proves that. Like, her holding that title proves it. And... I'm just being real when I say that. She, like, she literally is one of the greatest. She should be up there challenging for the TBS title, challenging for the AEW women's title. They don't have anybody else that could, um, that they haven't built yet to beat Athena quite yet. And I hope they find somebody. But honestly, Honestly, let me be real for one second. 
let me be real. And I cannot tell you that their women's division is one of their weak points. And my friend Dave, like I'm friends with I'm friends with Dave. We're we're wrestling buddies. And I retu- I reposted, retweeted uh what he said, which is literally the truth. It is literally the truth that it should be taken notes on. Cause I think everybody needs to be aware of this. Like, like they have to be aware of this because Tony Khan, like, I want to see the women succeed. And, and I'm being real when I say this. I want the women to be successful. And this has to be, and I'm, and I'm trying, I'm trying to do this in the most respectful way possible. Like, if this is a big problem, like, and I know people are going to say, well, she, you know, the women main event. Yes, that's good. That's good. The women main event. And I like that. They should do that more often because people don't know. I am a big, big advocate for women's wrestling. I have been a fan of women's wrestling for many, 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 many fucking years. But this is what my friend Dave says. Lufisto's concern needs to be taken seriously. She emphasizes the disorganization in AEW, especially in the women's division. Women's wrestling is awesome when you give it time and the attention it deserves. Like, Becky, like the women's segments in WWE, they're usually the highest rated. So women's wrestling can draw. It's just the bookers who are not doing a great job on presenting it. Like, you got the talent for that. Like, WWE has a stack load of talent for the women's division. And going back to the Trish and Becky stuff, they pulled their match at SummerSlam because, and this is what Fivel Select reported, they were adamant about the runtime for the match on their premium live event. And that's why some of the matches that were built for the show will not be happening. And... Lynch's stratus would have been severely limited by the time if it happened on Saturday. And Fifo added that there's been considerations about adding the match at payback in September. Dave Meltzer on The Observer at the time constraints that the reason why Raquel and Rhea is not scheduled, but um, that time constraints are the reasons, but there's still a possibility that they, that they can fit the match on the show. But, um, like, and, and when you go on their social media, like, especially Trish Stratus, you could tell she was frustrated about the match being pulled and now it's going to be in Winnipeg. Like, and not only that, it's just how some of the women have been booked or not been featured. Like, case in point, where's Tegan Knox? You got a great underdog story with Tegan Knox that you can tell in WWE. Indy Hartwell, I don't. She only wrestled one match on Monday Night Raw. We haven't seen her since. I don't know if she's still nursing or recovering from an ankle injury. Candice LeRae, what the fuck are they doing with Candice LeRae? Nikki Cross, going back, she got squashed by Shayna Baszler. Katana Chance and Caden Carter, Zia Lee, like they called up Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. 
And they lost the NXT Women's Tag Titles to Ronda and Shayna, only for them to drop the titles to Raquel and Liv. Only for Ra- only for Raquel and Liv to drop the titles to Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. It's just in shambles. NXT does a better job showcasing their women. Impact does a better job showcasing their women. Like, I could go on and on about Japan, how they handled their women's divi- how they handled their women's shows. I could go on and on. The key thing is, if you want women's wrestling to succeed, actually put some care and effort into it. Like, I'm, I'm not asking for much. Just put some care and put some effort into it, and I guarantee many people will be watching, and the women can prove they're good, if not better, than the men. You just got to give them a chance. That's all I took away from all of this whole drama that's going on. But, look, Lufisto, she could let her tweet whatever she wants. That's her opinion. And, and, and I know people are going to be bitter about that, but it's Lufisto. She's been, in, she's been in this business for many, many years, and I know there's going to be people who's going to not think before they tweet. They're going to be like, oh, you're upset because you didn't get signed to AEW. Oh, you're upset because you didn't get signed to WWE. Shut up. Listen to her story. Listen to what she thinks is wrong. And these are easy things they can fix. And it's not just AEW. It's WWE. They can fix their women's division problems if you give these women an opportunity and book them properly. WWE. How many times do we have to see a Charlotte Flair, a Bianca Belair, like like a Rhea Ripley, like... We want to see some new faces get an opportunity to showcase what the fuck they can do. That's my problem with WWE on the main roster. NXT, you got like a different variety. Like you got different equality of women on that show. Like, come on, y'all could do better than this. And that's just how I feel. And I want to let y'all know, like, I I love women's wrestling. You guys hear me preach about it every episode. I just want it to be successful. That's all I wanted. I want it to be successful. That's it. That's it. Hey, you. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others? What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream, and uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me in gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their lives are, how their lives are going, and you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got it's been four years since I got back into streaming. You know, like I was the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do. And you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday. Make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. Just Shino Phoenix. 
and you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, make sure you make an account and you get to do great things as well. So again, make sure you follow me, twitch.tv slash Shino Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now back to our daily show. All right, so before we get to the Vince McMahon stuff, we do have an update on the Lufisto stuff. Like, this this is just getting absolutely ridiculous. Like, I was just about to talk about Vince McMahon, and, like, this is just going completely out of hand. Now, several AEW wrestlers took to social media to what independent wrestler Lufisto claimed about issues within AEW's women's roster. And about a plan for wrestlers to shoot on Thunder Rosa, which we've discussed. You had MJF, Taya Valkyrie, Britt Baker, Renee Paquette, Soraya, Nyla Rose, Madison Rain, Ruby Soho, and many others are just some of the people who came out against the narrative that everyone on the women's roster hate each other. Now, Baker disputed Lufisto's story about a backstage meeting and plans to shoot on Thunder Rosa and stated that Rosa called the meeting to discuss personal issues and added, I'm sure when she's ready, she can help clarify. Which, the only person we gotta hear from is the is Thunder Rosa herself. Soraya put over Ruby Soho as someone who is adored by everyone, and Paquette stated that the women in AEW look out for each other. These tweets were echoed by tweets... These tweets were echoed by MJF and others. And I'm not going to read all of them, but let me just tell you, we're grown-ass adults. Like, if there's one thing I could take away from all of this drama, which, you know, it's funny. Now that I think about it, AEW always has drama. You know, like, last year we had the brawl out. We had the fucking Sammy Guevara Andrade shit. We had Sammy and Eddie Kingston going at it briefly. But... You look at this, and it's just nothing but drama. Like, we've... Like, there are problems in the women's division. I said that in the... I said that. But they they can be improved. But if there's one thing... And and look. Lufisto did an interview with Sean Ross Sapp. And I'm going to mention it again. And part of the blame has to go to Sean Ross Sapp for letting him... Letting him use... Letting Lufisto use his platform... To air out her grievances, knowing damn well that um everybody is gonna attack, and and I'm all for everybody defending the comp. Like I'm all for everybody speaking their side, but the fact is, and this is something people need to understand. Like you're grown up, talk it like adults. Don't, and this is a big lesson to everybody. Don't air your grievances out on social media just so you could get attention all right i think both parties are in the wrong like i i understand lufisto's point of view she wants the women's she wants women's wrestling to be like seen like the men okay but like and and this this tweet from lufisto and and I, i i respect lufisto i'm a fan of lufisto i don't know lufisto on a personal level I'm I'm being real when I say this. I don't know Lufisto on a personal level. She, like, 
And this is what she said on, this is the thread she said. Good that everybody at AEW got the memo to write as much shit on me as possible so I can be seen, I can be uh, seen as a waste of a human being not worth living. Even people who never had a single conversation with me. Even better to see people I never did anything wrong being so desperate to get a job, jumping on the bandwagon. Soon I'll see you hypocrites be part of the Be A Star and Mental Health Matters advertisements acting like you care. Enjoy your paychecks and keep stabbing each other in the back pretending this is normal. I can only hope that you hate your hate towards me will get you to finally fucking work together for the best of women's wrestling. Now that problems have been called out. So many miserable, frustrated, and will whisper their anger, but never will stand and speak up. I wanted to leave this world knowing women's wrestling was better. Um, it was it was for a while, but not anymore. The sad thing, the sad part is that you accept it without saying a word. It is what it is. What a waste. That is from Lufisto. Now, literally, and I'm I'm being real. When I say this, 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 like, this feels like something you see out of high school. You see out of, like, you see drama in high school. Like, rarely you see drama coming out of WWE. But you see a lot of shit come out in AEW. Like, this is something Tony Khan needs to fix. Like, look, let's just have a group meeting with all the women. Let's bring Lufisto. Let's air out our grievances in private. And talk like adults. We are grown-ass adults. It's time that you got to start acting like an adult. If you want to air your grievances out, don't put it on social media. You want to air your grievances out, put it out, put it in a journal. Trust me, it will work better. It will save you for your mental sake. And believe me, believe me, I am telling you right now, it will be for the better. And... And I'm telling you, you will think about this and you will ask yourself, this makes the most sense. Like, write it in a notebook about how you feel. It helps me. It helps me. Instead of just putting it out there on social media and you're probably hoping that, oh, somebody's going to no, like have sympathy for me. Like, nah, just do better. Do better as human beings. That, that, that's all I'm asking for. Do better as human beings. Now, switching gears to WWE. Um, switching gears to uh, the E. Vince McMahon. We might as well talk about this, this clown right here. But I know he had spinal uh, surgery. Like, but this guy cannot just stay out of trouble. So, during their Q2... Uh, earnings call, they revealed that there was federal law enforcement agents that executed a search warrant uh, and served a federal grand jury subpoena. Now, for those of you who don't know what a subpoena is, like, if you don't know what, what it is, subpoena is a noun, which is a written order, a, like a summon, to say the least, ordering a person to attend court. That's what it is. And there are no charges that have been filed. So on Wednesdays, WWE announced the second quarter financial results with several legal notes relating to the investigation last year 
on the board of directors Vince McMahon after it was alleged last summer that he sexually harassed employees and paid hush money to cover it up. WWE is still paying for the investigation and legal fees and related lawsuits. This eventually led to McMahon walking away from the company before returning earlier this year as an executive chairman. Interestingly, the following notes, federal law enforcement agents executed a search warrant and served a federal grand jury subpoena on McMahon back in July of 17, July 17th of 2023. But there were no charges that have been filed. The following also notes, previous reports that McMahon went on a medical leave after undergoing spinal surgery last month with the plan for him to be on medical leave until further notice. But McMahon will remain as the executive chairman. And just to skip through some of this, um, one of the key things that I do want to mention is right here. Additionally, during the six months ended June 30th, 2023, Mr. McMahon paid, made a payment of $17,405 to reimburse the company for the cost they have been incurred and paid by the company through January 31st of this year. In connection with and or arising from the investigation conducted by the special committee committee of the company's board of directors, related revisions to the company's financial statements and other matters, Mr. McMahon has agreed to review in good faith and reimburse the company for additional costs incurred by the company subsequent to January 31st or that have been incurred by the company and not yet paid as of January. In connection with and or arising from the same matter, as previously disclosed on June 17th of last year, a special committee of board of directors was formed on June 15th to investigate allegations of misconduct by Vince McMahon. As previously disclosed, the special committee investigation was completed during the fourth quarter of 2022. However, related government investigations remain ongoing. On July 17th of this year, federal law enforcement agents executed a search warrant and served a federal grand jury subpoena on Mr. McMahon. As of now, no charges have been brought in these investigations. On July 21st, 2023, Mr. McMahon went into medical leave after undergoing major spinal surgery. Mr. McMahon will remain on medical leave until further notice, but will remain executive chairman of the company. And you know, I find this interesting. July 17th, they they ex the agents executed a search warrant and they gave Mr. McMahon a summon. And then 18, 19, 20, 21, four days later, Mr. McMahon goes under the knife. Something is fishy. Like seriously, something fishy is going on. And it's interesting because his good old friend Trump here, I don't like mentioning his name, but his good friend here is pleading not guilty. And I don't know what's going on, but it looks like things are not going to be smooth sailing for Vince. Now, he did send an, a message to the WWE employees. This is the statement that uh, Russell Votes got. In 2022, WWE formed a special committee to review allegations of misconduct against me. That review was concluded in November of last year following an extensive investigation. 
Throughout the experience, I have always denied any intentional wrongdoing and continue to do so. I am confident that the government's investigation will be resolved without any findings of wrongdoings. I am focused on completing the recovery process for my recent spinal surgery and on closing our transaction with Endeavor, which will create one of the preeminent global sports and entertainment brands. Signed, Vince McMahon. Again, something fishy is going on. And I feel like if you go back to the steroids trial, Vince McMahon came to court with a neck brace. Now, he doesn't have his lawyer, Jerry McDevitt, because Jerry McDevitt retired. And I don't know, like, this is not looking good for Vince McMahon. Because I, I guarantee, like, 17, like, and I'm going to go back to this. On the seven, like, it's a weird fucking coincidence on July 17th that he goes, like, they raid his, his place, like, and he gets issued a summons to appear by the grand jury. And then four days later, he gets major spinal surgery. Something is fishy. Something is fishy with Vince. It I don't know if he's trying to cover up and play sympathy. Because if that's the case, like he's trying to do with the steroids trial, I don't think this is going to work in his favor. Like I know as, as me playing that conspiracy card, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Something seems fishy. And it's Vince. You know he's going to try and find a way out of it. You know this. That is how Vince rolls. But if there's any more information, as of now, there's not, any, there's not enough information for me to actually go in full detail about how I feel about it. But um, I can honestly tell you from my perspective that... Again, something just seems off. That that's that's the best way I could say it. It's just it's just off. Like it's just a coincidence that he gets surgery after they issued a subpoena for for uh Vince. Again, once more details come out, I'm gonna let y'all know on this podcast. But again. I, like I said, I know I'm a broken record. It's just something is fishy. Some It has to be him playing sympathy if he's getting this spinal surgery. And he might appear in the court like he did with the steroids trial. Some I don't know. Something is off. Something seems off. But we'll find out more once, once uh, we get uh, more details. Now, an NXT star is no longer with the company. And... This was when NXT UK was shutting down and it was going to be the launch of NXT Europe by 2023. And there's no update right now for NXT Europe. So where the fuck has that been? Anyway, Aaliyah James revealed in a post on Twitter that she is no longer with WWE. She broke the news. She broke into the business in January of 2019 for Portuguese promotion, Centro de uh, Trinos de Wrestling. She would go on to wrestle for promotions such as Pro Wrestling Eve, uh, Frontline Wrestling, London Lucha League, Attack Pro Wrestling, and Rev Pro. In November, James worked her debut match in WWE by losing to Jenny. And 
after working about Valkyria, uh, Lyra Valkyria or Ophi Valkyrie, it was reported that WWE signed James officially to its NXT UK brand. Her last match was a win over Stevie Turner, and she noted that she's a free bird, although her profile is still listed as an active superstar of the roster. So, I don't know what's next. Like, I know she's going to be on the independents right now, but I just, like, and and that was, I'm glad somebody, I'm glad NXT Europe just came into my mind. Like, they said this was going to launch this year. What happened to it? Like, I'm glad some, that, that they mentioned this, because I'm curious to know what's going on with NXT Europe. Like, I really want to know. Now, Aaliyah James, like, I've seen, I've seen her work in NXT UK, I I thought she was really good. Like I didn't know much about her, but she is so good. And I I just want, and this is just me. I I want um. Like I just want to see her succeed outside of of uh, WWE. I know she can do that. I know she can do that. And whatever's next for her, one door closes, another one opens. You know that saying, but. She'll be back. Like, she might be back. That's up to WWE if they want to bring that NXT Europe shit again. But anyway, let's move on. And let's talk about Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, what is his future in WWE? He's done it all. He's been the world champion. Main evented WrestleMania to convincing Steve Austin to come out of retirement for one more match. He got to wrestle Steve Austin. He's been working with Sami Zayn. They main evented WrestleMania night one. Back to back. Kevin Owens main evented WrestleMania. While speaking with the Toronto Sun, it was noted in the article that he has a year and a half left on his WWE contract. Now he opens up about how he doesn't know what his future will be like this past, like past that, but he wants to focus on what's in front of him until then. Now, he said, that's a great question. I really don't know. I used to say I don't see myself not being in the ring for another 5 to 10 years. And if I said that, said it right now, I'd be lying because over the last few months, I have to admit, I don't know if that's true anymore. I look at things and I don't know where, I'm, where I stand go, going beyond the next year and a half. I know I want to be involved in wrestling. I know I want to be involved in the WWE. And I know I have a place here. I just don't know where it is exactly. Maybe it's still in the ring. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I think for the next year and a half, my focus is just simply enjoying everything I do as much as possible. There's not really a worry about winning a title or main eventing WrestleMania or any of that stuff anymore. Which are the dreams that everyone has because... I've been so blessed that I've gotten to do all of that. So I just want to have fun. And I want to give people fun times to remember me by. Whether this is the end for my wrestling, I don't know. I don't want to sound dramatic. I don't want to say this as is a retirement speech or anything because I might still be wrestling for 10 years. I have no idea. My thought process right now is just trying to enjoy the next year and a half as much as I and I possibly can because I don't know what's on the other side. 
That's really all I'm worried about. And I see him staying. Now, if he doesn't want to wrestle, I could see him being a coach. I could see him, like, possibly producing a match. That's what they got Bobby Roode doing. Bobby Roode is actually um, in town uh, for SummerSlam. And that's according to PW Insider. So he's back in town, but he's not clear to compete. So they got him in a producer role until he's back on his feet. And coinciding with SummerSlam, Randy Orton is in town for SummerSlam, which is also reported by PW Insider. Um, But we don't know why he's in town. Because Fightful reported that Orton is healing, but he... It is not enough to make a return. Now, creative sources noted that Orton has not been factored into any creative plans whatsoever. And the report noted there hasn't been an extensive conversation about the plans for Orton. So for now, before Orton can return uh, to the ring in front of the fans, he will need to start training again in the ring. Something that he plans to do. Orton has resumed lifting, and they've been told he's huge. Now, he's working out, but not bumping in the ring. And regardless of a potential return at SummerSlam, one source said to not count on it, that, and that he's not been factored into any creative that they've heard of. Now, if Orton plans an imminent return, it's being kept quiet, and... They're keeping it as the element of surprise. But back to the KO stuff before I get to Randy Orton. Um, KO, I, I don't like. I don't see him leaving. Now, it would shock me if he did. Like, he's done everything. Like, he's done everything in WWE. I don't know if he's... I know he's won the US title. He's won the tag titles. He's won the Universal title. He's won the NXT title. I think the only title he's never won is the Intercontinental title. I might be wrong. Didn't Kevin Owens win the Intercontinental Championship? I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I think he has won the Intercontinental title. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I knew I had to go back. He did win the Intercontinental Championship. I feel stupid. But, um... I see him staying. I just can't picture Kevin Owens leaving WWE. But look, if he wants to leave, that's on him. That's his choice. Now, whether it's being a wrestler, whether it's being a producer, whether it's training the next uh, up-and-coming talent, because he has the knowledge. He's been doing this for years. I could see that, but I think he's staying. That's my prediction. I think he's staying. Uh, For Randy Orton... Him not being cleared, I mean, it's fairly obvious, but I think he's just going to be backstage watching SummerSlam. I don't see him doing anything, like, coming out. But if it's to address the injury, like, if he's going to be back soon, that's what I would like to see. But hopefully he's he's healing up, and I wish him, again, a speedy recovery because we don't know what... um, What's next for uh, for Randy Orton? Because, again, Randy's another case that he's done everything. But we'll see what's uh, on his plate. 
Now, speaking of injuries, we got an update on Rey Mysterio after after the after him being knocked loopy in his match with Santos last SmackDown. And Dave Meltzer reported that he's fine, which is good. But there's still no word yet on whether he'll be taking time off. So this is what Meltzer said. And I quote. <clears throat> okay, so I watched the match back. And here's everything that happened. Did you watch the match back? So there was a crossbody by Santos a couple of minutes before the match. And after he does it, he takes what ends up is like, you can see that he's stunned. The referee goes to him. He gets up. Um, Santos kind of backs off in the middle of the match. And he's just not quite there. So that is the first spot. But he ended up, whatever it was, you know, after kind of laying there for a little while. Uh, and everyone is backing off. He regained his bearing and was pretty much fine after that. You know, until... And then the top spot where he hit his head. So the top spot was that the second it was the second injury. It was not a work from the first injury. I think I said that the first time. But the original injury was the crossbody. The top was the second one. But the top was the one that, you know, when when there's two of them already, you really should stop the match. And he didn't get up so quickly from the second one. You know they were working on him during the commercial break. And I, I was there. I was there. They they really did. And he's fine now. But from what I understand. I don't know if that that's what. You know fine is a relative term. I'm sure he's not. You know I mean. He's got his bell rung twice. Or whatever it was. I don't know. Like again. I don't know if there's any if there's a concussion. I don't know if he's taking time off. Nobody has said anything other than I was told he was fine. And but you know, so that's essentially what happened here. And look, I'm glad that he's fine, but I don't think we might be able to see him in the ring soon cuz I know he's going to be in the corner of one person in NXT. Oops. We'll talk about it because that's a big deal for uh NXT. But again, I'm glad that he's fine. I just hope that um, he's taking all the time to just heal, just make sure he doesn't get his bell rung again. That would be nice. That would be nice. But get, get well soon, Ray. Get well soon, GOAT. Now, WWE, they're going to be going out of state. They're going international. And this time, they will be going to India. So, WWE issued a following statement on the 1st of August. WWE announced its long-awaited return to India with WWE Superstar Spectacle at the GMC ba Balayogi Indoor Stadium in uh, Hyderabad. I don't know if I pronounced it right. If I butchered it, I apologize. On Friday, September 8th. This will mark the first live event to take place in India since 2017, and the first ever WWE live event to be held in uh, Hyder Hyderabad. Uh, again, forgive me if I pronounced it wrong. Um, tickets for the superstar spectacle at the GMC Balayogi Indoor Stadium will be available this Friday, which it's available now. 
And fans interested in joining an early pre-sale, which, again, that's already that already happened. WWE fans in attendance can look forward to seeing their favorites, including Seth Rollins, Rhea Ripley, Sammy and KO, Gunther, Jinder Mahal, Veer Sanga, and Dashir. Drew McIntyre, Becky Lynch, Natalya, Matt Riddle, Ludwig Kaiser, and many more. Um, Sony Sports Network is the home of WWE in India, including its flagship programming, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and WWE's premium live events, including WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and more. Showcased on Sony Sports 10, 1 English, Sony Sports 10, 3 Hindi, and 4 Tamal and Telugu. Now, WWE Superstar Spectacle in India is produced and promoted by Book My Show Live, the live entertainment experimental experiential uh, division of Book My Show, India's leading entertainment destination. Talent subject to change. Now, as I look at the poster, yes, I see Jinder Mahal, I see Indus Sheer, but one name that I see in, is somebody we have not seen in a long, long time, and that's Shanky. Shanky is on the poster. I see Odyssey Jones. He hasn't been... Um, I don't think he hasn't been used on the main roster, like, at all. But I'm happy that they're going to India. And I could definitely see the next international uh, tour. I will see... They they did Mexico. I could see them going to Japan. I could see them doing a show in Japan. Like a premium live event in Japan. Why not? And they're going to Puerto Rico for Raw next year, so... I'm already excited for that. But other than that, I mean, this is good. I like more international stuff. But moving on. Do you want to know how great LA Knight is? Like, we have been behind LA Knight ever since. And we want to see him get the push that that he deserves. And Knight is going to be pushed. But it's going to be after SummerSlam. Now, Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics put together a list of top merchandise seller, and surprise, surprise, LA Knight tops the list, which is followed by Cody Rhodes in the bloodline. So, just to give you the rundown, here is 10. Well, starting with one, LA Knight's number one. Number two is Cody Rhodes. Three is the Usos. Four is Roman Reigns. Five is Steve Austin. Six is NWO. Seven is SummerSlam. Eight is Rhea Ripley. Nine is John Cena. And ten is Seth Rollins. And again, this this says a lot. This says a lot. It just shows that LA Knight is super over. The crowd wants to see him succeed. Hopefully after SummerSlam, they pulled the trigger on his push. And they push him to quote Cameron Grimes to the moon. I would love to see it. And hopefully they don't squander it. Now, moving on, we have Survivor Series. That's going to be coming up in November. And remember when I said WWE is like white hot right now? Because right now Survivor Series is nearly sold out. 
Now, we don't know if it's traditional Survivor Series, Raw versus SmackDown, or if it's going to do War Games for the second time. Now, it's going to take place at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. And we don't know what's going to be, what is, what's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be War Games or traditional Raw versus SmackDown due to bragging rights. Which, I wouldn't even do Raw versus SmackDown. Just do War Games. And that will make it even better. Now, Russell Ticks reports that after tickets went on sale, the show has a setup of 12,943, with 12,843 being sold and only 28 tickets remaining. The update was two days ago, so it's possible that the show has already been sold out. Now, that SmackDown show has sold 11,758 tickets with 1,113 left. The combo ticket package only has 72. So again, this is a boom period for WWE. And I know they're going to be breaking records after records after records. I know their Q2 earnings have, have shattered that. And... If they keep that momentum going, I mean, people will be interested to watch the product even, like, and just make it feel watchable again. That's what I want. I just want WWE to feel, like, watchable again. That's just my honest uh, two cents on that. But anyway, that's just the news that we got right now. Let's switch it over to Monday Night Raw, which is the go-home show for Survivor Series. Now, now, now I got Survivor Series on my mind. SummerSlam. This took place at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. And this was a mixed bag, a fun episode of... Well, I wouldn't say a fun episode. I mean, it was a mixed bag. That That's the best way I could say it. It was a mixed bag. We kicked it, and we did have some good matches on the show. Logan Paul kicked off the show, and he welcomes everybody to Monday Night Raw. And he says he has to, he has to think about not talking in front of brain dead people for too long. He says I'm in Houston for Ricochet after attempting to, to introduce him to his own audience last week. And says, all I was trying to do was showcase Ricochet's athleticism and build hype around his this match. He says, instead, I was blindsided. And because of what Ricochet did, I will beat him at SummerSlam in the most viral match at all of WWE. This brings out Ricochet. And he comes down and he asks Paul, what's going on? And says... He's gotten it. I've gotten into your head. He says Paul's trying to pretend to be the good guy. And while he can fool the audience, you ain't fooling the WWE fans. He says their SummerSlam match will be box office. And he tells him that he has to say something to him. And he says that while he doesn't like Paul on a personal level, I respect that you are an athlete and a showman. Now Paul says I appreciate Rick he appreciates Ricochet saying that and he returns the sentiment. He says Ricochet is one of the greatest to do 
do it until he showed up in WWE. Instead, he made them go viral during the Men's Royal Rumble match earlier this year, which, again, I still love that spot. That was an insane spot. That was really, really good. And I just said, and I think I said this when I talked about the, when I talked about the Rumble. I said, if these guys go one-on-one, that's going to steal the fucking show. And hopefully they, they, t- they prove it. And he says they're going to have one hell of a match. And he offers Ricochet a hand, his hand. Ricochet fist bumps it and looks to leave. But Paul stops him. And this is where Samantha Irvin comes into play. And he tells Ricochet that his fiance will have to announce Paul as the winner. Ricochet, he had enough. He's raining down right hands and on Logan Paul, but he reverses it and sends Ricochet crashing into the mat. Ricochet hits an enziguri and looks for more right hands off the top rope. Paul catches him with a right hand in midair before showing off the damage he just did to his audience on his phone. So I thought this was a fine, fine promo to get people hyped for their match. It, it, it did its job. That's the best way I could say it. It did its job. And that's that. We go backstage to Jackie Redman. And she's with Imperium. Imperium and she asks Gunther about his upcoming international, Intercontinental Championship match against Gunther. At SummerSlam. No, championship not against Gunther. Against Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam. I don't know why my notes said that. Now, Gunther says that I don't live in the past. He says, my only concern is disappointment. And he expresses disappointment to Kaiser after losing to Drew last week. He says Kaiser has the chance to redeem himself against Matt Riddle. And we had the match. And I thought this was fine. I thought this was a fine little match. And look, Kaiser is underrated. I'm going to be honest. Kaiser is underrated. And I thought he did pretty good. Like, he he was really good. And his finisher was sick. Now, he got the win over Matt Riddle. I don't know what the fuck's going on with Riddle. I don't know if his personal life is preventing him from... Like, and I saw him complaining on social media about it was easy to win fights in the UFC. Like, dude, you won, like, if I'm correct, you won house show matches. You won... Some live televised matches. Like, just get back on your feet and just redeem yourself with some shit like that. But I thought the match was pretty fine. If there's one thing I love about WWE is their video packages. They did an excellent job hyping up Brock and Cody Rhodes with with the video package. Like, I'm not going to go into details about it. And they did the same thing with Ronda and Shayna Baszler when... They had their own separate interviews. And Shayna mentions that I was the first person to hold her kid. And, like, all of these are great and shot perfectly. I would recommend that you guys watch it when you have the chance. But that, like, the video promos were pretty good. We had Maxine Dupree making her in-ring debut. Taking on Valhalla, it's again the Alpha Academy Viking Raiders shit. Like, I'm just getting tired of it. But I will say this. 
Maxine Dupree did pretty well. She hit an ocean cyclone queen suplex to get the win. Now, of course she was not going to lose on her debut. What do you expect? She was not going to lose on her debut. But the match itself was just meh. Judgment Day, they're in the ring. And Damian Priest calls for everybody to rise for Judgment Day before Rhea Ripley says Raw doesn't start until the four of them says it does. Now, she says it's Judgment Day's world, which literally, Raw is the Judgment Day show. And they have no problem putting anyone who doesn't fall in line on the shelf. Priest lists off everyone that has crossed paths, that has crossed the Judgment Day. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Liv Morgan. Priest puts Rollins and Zayn on notice ahead of his and Dominic's match later tonight, well, later on Raw. And Mysterio... And Finn Balor says Rollins acts insane, but real insanity is seeing the scars he inf inflicted on him. He says Rollins ruined his career seven years ago and says while he can't erase the scars he has, he will inflict them on Rollins and feel better about himself. Dom, when he talks, like, the crowd just boos the fuck out of him. Like... Dom says he'll bring back some pride to the Mysterio name. And Ripley says anyone who tries to get involved should take a page out of Raquel Rodriguez's book. She tells them to run and hide, which brings out Raquel Rodriguez. She's marching down for vengeance. She's raining down rights on Ripley, on Rhea. She whips her in the corner before she delivers a snapmare and clothesline her to the outside. Rodriguez then sends her crashing into the barricade. Then warns Dom not to get involved. Which gives Rhea the advantage to chop block the damaged leg. So Ripley stomps on her knee. And decides to stand down afterwards. So this segment did what it had to do. Pretty much Judgment Day. Hyping their Raw match. Hyping their main event on Raw. Finn hyping his match at SummerSlam. Possible feud with Rhea and Raquel when that time comes. But it is uh, what it is. We had a really good match with Shinsuke Nakamura and Tommaso Ciampa. I thought they had a good um, match. And Nakamura won with the by holding the tights. Very heelish. So are we getting heel Nakamura? Because I can't, I can't boo Nakamura. Nakamura's awesome. But Ciampa, I don't know what they're doing with Ciampa. Maybe they're just waiting on Johnny, which he's cleared. Like, he's literally cleared. They need to do something with Johnny Gargano and the way stuff. Like, you could, both, you could boost your tag team with Gargano and Ciampa's DIY. Duh. But anyway, I thought this was good. We have Brock Lesnar. He's in the ring and he introduces himself. Like like Paul Heyman. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brock Lesnar. And he talks about his accomplishments. And he says, it's fight week now because the wait is over for SummerSlam. He says, I will be getting paid to fight Cody Rhodes at the upcoming premium live event. 
while Rhodes will be getting paid to take a beating. He calls Cody Rhodes to the to come out, and Cody does come out. He circles the ring, gets inside. He offers his hand to Lesnar, and the two shake. The two then stare one another down, and Rhodes looks to hug Lesnar, but Lesnar pushes him away, and he's about to leave. Now, Cody goes for the suicide dive, and the two men, they brawl on the outside, but Lesnar gets the upper hand, and he lays him out with an F5. So, again, I feel more confident that Cody Rhodes is winning this, and hopefully they end this feud. And what surprises me about this is that there's no stipulation for their rubber match. There's no none whatsoever. But I thought this segment did his job to sell the main event. We had Gunther taking on Chad Gable. I thought this was the best match on the entire show. Now, the first five minutes, it was, can Chad Gable survive uh, Gunther, which he did. Now, Gunther, he wanted more time. And these two, I thought, put on a hell of a match. Just like Ludwig Kaiser, Chad Gable is also criminally underrated. And I just want them to do more with Chad Gable instead. Like, just, I want to see him in that role to be that plucky underdog. Because he is so good. And you see it in his, by his in-ring work. He is fucking good. And I really mean that wholeheartedly. He is just good at his job. And that's how I see it, you know. But um, anyway, this was really great. Best match on Monday Night Raw. Now, after the match, Gunther who beat Chad Gable, tells fans to get used to him picking up the wins and celebrating his success. He puts Drew McIntyre on notice and he tells him to take a look at what he did to Chad Gable. And he says, at SummerSlam, it will be your fate. It will be the same fate and I will end you once and for all. Now, speaking of the Intercontinental Championship, we, we know that he's going to pass the Honky Tonk Man's record. Now, the Honky Tonk Man, his record is 454. So, if we do the math, because right now, Gunther's reign is going to be 418 at this, at this point. So, 454 minus 418. He only needs 36 days, because we know on SummerSlam is going to be 418. If he holds on to that title for the next 36 days, then he officially surpasses the Honky Tonk Man. But I'm looking forward to Drew McIntyre and and Gunther. I think that's going to be fun. Becky Lynch comes out and says the man has come around to Houston. Then says she's... She said that she's done everything to get her rematch with Trish. Now there's nothing left but to do it. And said there's no better time for the two to square off now. Stratus comes out alongside Zoe Starks. And Stratus says she's thought about facing Lynch here and now, but she realized she fights on her own time. She says, 
I will name the place and time that I want to fight Lynch. Then assures her that you won't cheat Lynch out of her match, which Adam Pearce interrupts uh, Trish and announces that the match will be happening now. And the match didn't even last that long. It just, it was just Zoe Starks got involved, instant disqualification, and they just attacked Becky Lynch. And I'm just like, so what was the point of this? This was just to fill time. And then later backstage, Pierce runs into them and says, what he saw, what just happened was unacceptable and said the match, the rematch will be prepared, which will be in Winnipeg. And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, so let me get this straight. You cut their match. You put it on Raw. You have it last 10 seconds for a disqualification only to set up the match in Winnipeg. I, I did not like this at all. I, I didn't like this at all. I thought this this was not good. This was not good. And get And get this. Get this. Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, they were on the list on WWE's top women's wrestlers. Becky Lynch was number three. Trish Stratus is number one. None of them on the card. And I get it. Not everybody can make it on the card. I understand that. But you got some of the best. Why not? In the main event, you had Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn. They defeated the Judgment Day. I thought the main event was good. And overall, I thought this was, an, like I said, it was an average episode of Monday Night Raw. Really not much that I could say, oh, I like they, they did little. They did some to get me excited for SummerSlam. But we'll see where they'll be at when the show actually starts. But other than that, it was an average episode. We go to NXT, which is the fallout of the Great American Bash. We go to the parking lot. Ahem, rule of thumb, if you watch NXT, the parking lot is the dangerous spot for any pro wrestler. We see the new NXT Tag Team Champions, Tony D'Angelo and Stax. They appear at the Performance Center when Gallus blindsides them, leaving Channing, Stack Lorenzo, and Tony D'Angelo laid out. Now, Vic Joseph and Booker T greet the audience at home, and JC Jane comes out and grabs a headset and says she's going to finish what she started on Saturday with Lyra. So, Lyra Valkyria comes out, we get the match. Um, I thought this was, this was fine, but Lyra Valkyria, she got the win over JC Jane, and she, Rhea told her, prove it to me. And she proved it. And like I said, this was fine for what it was. Now, this segment was interesting. We go backstage to Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. And they're talking about Hayes' title defense against Ilya Dragunov at the Great American Bash. Now, Williams says he meant what he said last week when he says, like, I have to do this for him. And Hayes voices his support. And Williams explains that the NXT universe sees him as a sidekick, which sadly that's true. He says he isn't the NXT champion and he has to show Dragunov what he's made of. And Williams 
says that while if it isn't a breakup, then it's time. And it was just a mutual breakup. Like, it was just mutual parting ways. And all I can say is, like, if they're going to have Trick Williams do his own thing, that should be fine. And I'm glad it's not like, oh, I'm going to turn heel and break break up our friendship. No, it's not that. And I'm glad they didn't go that route. So, that's just how I see it. But anyway, now after the commercial break, we see Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stack Lorenzo's. I'm just going to call them Stacks if that's okay. They're being checked up on and McKenzie walked in and asked for an update. And D'Angelo makes it clear that they want to face all three members. And Stax points out, like, well, there's two of them. And D'Angelo says, I gotta make a phone call. And we know who that person... Like, instantly I knew who it was because who was the last person D'Angelo faced? Who's the person D'Angelo faced and he had to get called up to the main roster? There's your little hint. We go to Dom and Rhea. They're in the ring. And she introduces Dominic as the North American champion still. And says he proved that he's more man than Wesley, Ali, and everyone in the audience. Dom Dom calls himself the greatest luchador of all time. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, right. <clears throat> but even though he's a heel, I like it. Um, but before you can continue, Dragon Lee comes out. And... He says he won't let Dom disrespect the NXT universe or his heritage any longer. Ripley calls Dragon Rey Mysterio Jr. And Dragon says he doesn't like him. He then questions Dominic's statement about being the greatest luchador of all time. And because that honor belongs to his father, which is a fact, I still call Rey Mysterio one of the greatest luchadors ever. Now, Dom said he made his the Mysterio name relevant, and Dragon says the only reason he's still the North American champion is because of Ripley. Gee, you think? <laughs> and I'm being sarcastic when I say it. You think? Because I know for a fact that, like, and I said this on the Great American Bash part, has anybody ever thought about having an equalizer? Like, have somebody on their side for... In case Rhea tries to get involved. Eh. But. <clears throat> now he then challenges Dom. To a title match next week. As a means to prove himself. And Dom accepts. And Rhea makes it clear that. She'll be at ringside. And Dragon says. I won't be alone either. And it cuts to. Rey Mysterio. Yes Rey Mysterio. Which got a big reaction. Came up, like he was on the screen and he said, I'll be in Dragon Lee's corner next week of someone he truly respects. And I like that. I thought this was really, really good. And I can't wait till next week. Now, I don't know if they're going to put the title on Dragon Lee. I don't know if they're going to keep it on Dom. Like, there's so many possibilities. So many possibilities. They could have Dom Dom keep the title or they could do Dragon Lee winning it and you got more cracks coming within the Judgment Day which we're going to see at SummerSlam we go backstage to Carmelo Hayes and Wes Lee 
is he appears, he's angry, and Hayes is like, what's the matter? And he tells Hayes, look, you got no idea what I've been going through. And Hayes tells him, look, I understand the pressure and the anger. Then you got Noam Dar and Metaphor and Oral Mensa, they walk in, and Dar is gloating about being the um the so-called Heritage Cup champion, which Wes informs him that you're actually that isn't your title. And Dar says, Look, I never lost a cup before. And he brings up two recent losses to Wesley. Wes heard enough and he unleashes on Dar and Mensa, which later on we got a tag match between Wesley and Carmelo against Metaphor, which, by the way, their entrance, I love it. I love their entrance. It's fucking good. We had Dijak taking on Eddie Thorpe. I didn't really care about this match this off that much because I, I just don't get Eddie Thorpe. I don't know what's special about him. I'm just not into the character. But... Dijak, I was rooting for Dijak. I'm not going to lie when I tell you. I was rooting for Dijak, and he got the win, which made sense. We had Lola Vice making her NXT uh, debut, I believe. Teaming with Electra Lopez against Alyssa Leon and Valentina Faraz. And I thought, wait, I thought Lola Vice was good. Like, I've seen, I've seen her in Level Up when she took on Danny Palmer, if I'm correct. And I thought she looked good. And now her teaming with Electra Lopez, I think it kind of makes sense. So it was nice to see her in action. So the heels, they got the win. We had Metaphor taking on Carmelo Hayes and Wesley. This was fine. Um, I enjoyed this match. And Wesley, once again, taking another pin. And he's just mad at... um. Uh, Carmelo Hayes after the match. So it looks like they're setting up Wesley against Carmelo Hayes. Look, granted, they had an excellent match for the North American title. And I could see them doing it again. But I don't know. Maybe this is them setting up this uh, match. But it's just frustration that's kicking in on Wesley. We had Baron Corbin taking on Andre Chase. Now... This is a story, like, usually Thea Hale. Like, I was paying more attention to Thea Hale because usually she would come in, she would have all this energy, she would be so excited, but she she just, she was not full of herself. She was just disappointed, she was pissed off, she was, like, unhappy. Like, she didn't have that, like, energy. And there was one part of the match where, like... Where she had a hold, well, Corbin had a hold on Andre Chase, and Thea Hale threw the towel, but the ref didn't see it, so pretty much it was a distraction. And Duke Hudson, he's baffled by this, and Thea Hale just walked out. And I'm just thinking to myself, is she leaving Chase you? Because that's another story that they can tell. And I'm all in on that. I think that would be really, really good. So, that's just how I see it. But other than that, Baron Corbin, he got a win over Andre Chase. And really not much I could say about it. We had the schism interrogation with uh, 
Joe Gacy saying it's uncommon to have issues with the new members, but insubordination is toxic in the role to the roots of the schism tree and must be eradicated. So Rip Fowler, Jagger Reed, they speak to the two uh, suborders as if they're, if they're the Creed brothers in disguise. And Ava says, two of the masks uh, put their hands on the dyad, which is unacceptable. She asks each person to step forward, take their mask, and each individual does. And of course, you got one with Ikman Jiro, which got a big reaction until there were three left. And then you had Reed and, like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of calling them Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler. Um, Gibson and James Drake, if I'm correct. They attacked the two individuals one by one, and they're thinking it's the Creed brothers, but it's not them. And then they cut to the Titan Tron. We see the Creed brothers pop up on the Titan Tron and... I shit you not, it was a terrible green screen. Like, they was just sitting backstage by a green screen with, like, they're in Hawaii or some shit like that. So, they're laughing, and the two, and they were laughing that they thought it was them. And Julia says, look, they lost the lose or leave NXT match and tells them all about the adventures that the creeds have been on and they make it clear that there aren't in Orlando. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And they thank schism for giving them some vacation time. So the dyad, they look to attack the two individuals, but Gacy stops them and pretty much tells the Creed brothers, look, I'm, he knows they're nearby and he's telling schism members across the world to bring Brutus and Julius to him. So, that defeats the lose-a-leave NXT purpose. So, I mean, what else can I say about it? There's really nothing else. We all we all know the dyad. They're going to be pretty much on their way out in about two months. In about two months. We had Gallus in the main event taking on the NXT Tag Team Champions. Tony D, Stax, and Santos Escobar, which made sense because Santos's last match in NXT was against Tony D. So in the match itself it wasn't bad. It it was okay for what it was, but the family and Santos they got the win in this match. Not much I could say about it, but all all in all it just I think we're just getting some new pieces to the next um steps in NXT. Now, next week we're going to get a celebration with Tiffy and we know Dragon Lee is going to take on Dom. That should be interesting. Can't wait to see uh, how this goes out. But other than that, it was an average episode of NXT. SmackDown Live, the final SmackDown for us. I'm about to say Survivor Series again. We're not even in November yet. <laughs> not editing this right, right here. But the final SmackDown of SummerSlam... This took place at the Wright State University Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. And this was a filler episode. That's the best way I could describe it. It was filler. We start things off with L.A. Knight taking on Sheamus. 
And look, LA Knight, again, how many times do I have to say this about LA Knight? Number one merch, guy is super over, and hopefully he gets this big push that they are saying after SummerSlam. I won't believe it until I see it. So, LA Knight versus Sheamus, I thought they had a fun match. Now, you had the other participants You that's going to be in the Battle Royal. You had Shinsuke. Well, Shinsuke wasn't even there. You had Cross, you had Styles, you had Grayson Waller, you had the Miz. I mean, the Miz was only there to get to get a beaten, get a bro kick. You had fucking um let's see, who else was in there? Uh like like I look at this battle royal. I mean, didn't they say Tommaso Ciampa was gonna be in this one? Like this slim gym. This Slam Jam Battle Royal. Like, like, here's what we got. Here's what we got. We have LA Knight, of course. Santos Escobar, The Miz, AJ, Matt Riddle, Nakamura, Cross, Waller, and Sheamus. Now, I don't know if there's going to be anything else. Anybody else that's going to be added. But if that's, if that's the best they got, I, I don't know what I could say. But at least they got L.A. Knight on the card. But Sheamus, he bro-kicked The Miz. And L.A. Knight hit Blunt Force Trauma to get the win over Sheamus. And after the match, he tossed out Karrion Cross. He attacked Grayson Waller. And he just rolled out of the ring. So this was his little momentum, which... Doesn't speak a little volume about where about him possibly winning. So yeah. That's all I could say. Yeah. I don't see um that happening. As much as I want LA Knight to win, but I could see them going on the heel route. We had they sh- they showed the replay of the Monday Night Raw video package, which I said it was excellent, with um Cody and Brock Lesnar. I'm not going to go over it again. We had the Brawling Brutes taking on the OC. Really nothing special about it. But what was special was the Street Profits. They came out like just in suits and ties. They attacked the OC. They attacked the Brawling Brutes. And they have this new attitude. And I like it. Like they needed a character change. This was something that I think everybody was saying. They needed a character change. And, I mean, it, it it was perfect. That's the best way I could say it. It was perfect to see them switch that role. Now, I don't know if they're heels. I don't know if they're face. It looks like they're going to turn heel. But after the, after the uh, beat, not beat down, you got Dawkins and Montez. They send Gallows into the ring post. They plant a- Anderson, Ga- Holland, and Butch. Like, they had, I believe it was... Anderson who got hit with a with the assist power bomb and they attack Holland no Angelo Dawkins hit his signature on uh Holland then they did the pounce German suplex combo which looked botchy but it was still pretty impressive but they stand like they leave the ring they go to the um the ramp not you have the entrance ramp, and Bobby Lashley walks in, and he's applauding. And I'm like, 
and I'm, and I'm like, this is perfect. Now, all they need is Bianca Belair to be in this group, and we got something great here. And I would say add Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, but they're not doing shit with, with Shelton and Cedric. So, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with those guys. But anyway, this character change with the Street Profits, it was needed. Their character was getting stale. It was getting old. And once it gets old, people will get tired of it. So they needed a new attitude. They needed a new look. And it was needed. That's the best word I could describe it. A needed change. Now, they did these videos for the three women, for Charlotte, Oscar, and Bianca. I thought it was well done. You had Charlotte, who was in her yacht, her yacht, um, enjoying her drink, talking about SummerSlam, saying that she's undefeated. Keep that in mind, because I mentioned that in my predictions. She is undefeated at SummerSlam. Now, will the undefeated streak come to an end? I highly doubt it. I'm 50% chance that uh, Charlotte is not going to lose that streak unless she gets cashed in. But you have Charlotte. She says, I'm the past, the present, and the future. You got Asuka with her video. She's training um, in a boxing gym discussing um, Flair and Bianca. While Bianca, she's... um. She's preparing for her uh, her women's uh, triple threat match. And she mentioned, like, I'm trying to think. She, she mentions that about Oscar winning the title from her at, at Saudi Arabia. And then Charlotte coming in, getting, like, just passing the line, getting the opportunity. But the video promos that they've done with all three of these women were much better than how they were trying to build it in the the previous weeks coming. They should have done that. Like, there was no contract signing. They didn't need to do none of that. That was all they needed. They needed just one little video promos, and that's it, to hype them up. And that, that was good. But rewinding a little bit after talking about the uh, women, we got Paulie, Paul, 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 Paul Heyman. He, he's in the ring. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. <laughs> and he asks how it, it came to this. He says, this is not what Roman Reigns wanted to happen. Uh, of course he does. I mean, I mean, d don't, don't fool me. You're, you're not fooling anybody. And says, if there's anyone to blame for Jimmy Uso currently being in the shelf, it's his brother Jay. He says, whatever happens to Jay tomorrow night at SummerSlam um, will be on Reigns, and if and he will have no remorse or regret. He says when Reigns enters the ring at the pay-per-view, he is entering tribal combat, and this will be a good time to have the Mortal Kombat theme play in the background and just have somebody scream, Tribal Combat! Right. Anyway. Anyway. So he throws it to a video, and I thought this was a well-done video. And pretty much... To summarize it a little bit, is there's no rules in the match except that there will only be one man who will emerge victorious. That's pretty much it's pretty much a no disqualification match. 
And Heyman then says that Reigns is the reigning, defending, undisputed WWE Universal Champion. And the WWE Universe's tribal chief. He says he has been such for the last three years. And I know people are going to be tired of Roman for three years. But I mean, come on. He's literally the hottest act right now. Um, And tells Jade that he will never assume that role. He looks to give a spoiler for tomorrow. But Jade comes out and says tribal combat is happening tomorrow night. And, he's, and I'm going to light Reigns up with chairs. And the crowd's going, what? I'm going to light him up with tables. And he says, I'll even plan him through one. He says, I'm bringing all of my passion, the spirits of my ancestors, and his family tomorrow night to beat Reigns because, no, and become both the new tribal chief and the undisputed universal champion. Soul Sokoa comes in. He marches down the ring. And Jay, he's telling Sokoa to, look, chill, chillax, tranquilo. Heyman says, Jay, you screwed up. And Jay is looking at Sokoa. He's just telling him, look, you're still my brother at the end of the day. And I'm always going to forgive you. And he says, all Sokoa does is take orders. And tells him, you've been in his shoes, referring to Heyman. Now, Heyman asks Jay if he really thinks Sokoa believes what he's saying. All the while, now keep this in now I hope y'all paid attention. Sokoa looks over at Jay. And Heyman, he's like, I, look, I'm just going to have a word with Solo Sokoa. And Solo just doesn't move. And Heyman, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Sokoa is just screaming at him to get out, get out. And... Solo being distracted, eats a super kick, which, I mean, I still love the super kick. It's one of my favorites. And he takes out Solo Sokoa. So, like, I, I like this segment. I thought this was good. And if there's one thing I like about Jay, he feels, um, let, let's see, the best word I could describe it. He feels so comfortable when he's on the mic. Like, and I think he's done a really good job. Jay came a long way when Jimmy was out with an injury. So, and if there's one thing I want to see for this tribal combat, I want to see Jay bring that war paint back. Like, just bring the war paint back from the old days of the Usos, but not like, you know, the So Close Now theme, which, God, I missed that theme. That, that, was, that was a good time. But I would love to see the war paint. I would love to see him be serious about facing Roman. But I thought this was good. This was really good. We get huh, Austin Theory taking on Cameron Grimes. Now, Austin Theory. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Theory. Like, I just feel like... Like, yeah, he got a token, went over John Cena, and he's he's just done nothing. I think WWE's done a terrible job with Austin Theory as the champion, and it's just not going anywhere for me. Now, during this match, Cameron Grimes had most of the offense. The, pretty much 90% of the match was Cameron Grimes. But ref ref being distract not distracted, but almost a ref bump. Um, A-Town down. Just, just one. Just one A-Town down. Nothing else. 
And that put away Cameron Grimes. Yeah, some match, right? Now, after the match, Santos Escobar, he comes back. Well, the first time he attacks, um, uh, Sant, not Santos, he attacks Austin Theory before the bell. And he comes back, hits the Phantom Driver. And next week, we got, we got the United States title on the line. Now, I don't know what they're going to do. Do they put the title on Santos Escobar or do they have Theory retain and he drops the title to LA Knight, which I would prefer the second option because uh, number one, LA Knight is super over and I think people want to see LA Knight with a fucking title. Now, like, come on, WWE, listen, listen, listen. That's all I'm saying. But look, the match should be pretty good. I'm I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, oh, this is going to suck, but it... it it should be good. I know how good Austin Theory is. It's just the way that he's been booked. I, I just, eh. That's, the, that's my only problem with his run on as the United States champion. Then we get to the Grayson Waller effect. I, I'm usually not into these types of segments that often. But, yeah, damage control. Um, And as the guest. Of the Grayson Waller effect show. And. And here's a cute moment. Here's a cute moment that you're going to like. EO was having a little trouble trying to sit down. And Bailey had to assist her. That, that was cute. Now. Waller. He wants to know the scoops. He wants to know. Are you going to cash in? Are you going to cash in your money in the bank. at some Briefcase at SummerSlam. And before EO could say anything. Bailey cuts her off, which EO has that look like. Can't you see? I can speak for myself. I don't need you to talk for me. So she says they won't be telling anyone what they're thinking or or their of their strategy. She says Sky is focused on her upcoming match with Zelina Vega, but she gets cut off by the laughter of Shotzi. And her saying her name. Bailey is looking to leave. And Waller reveals that, look, that was just me. I was pulling a prank on you. And Bailey says, Shotzi is scared. No, Waller calls her scared. And Bailey says, no, Shotzi is scared of her, not the other way around. And before she can continue, you hear Shotzi's music. And you see her tank. Now... Clearly, that was not Shotzi. I, I knew for an instant that wasn't Shotzi. Now, she now Bailey is telling EO, go to that go to that tank. Go go find that individual who's in that tank. But the person remained seated. Then all of a sudden, Shotzi appears behind her. And like I just like the camera work. Like Shotzi is standing right behind Bailey. They cut to Bailey's like face. She slowly z- turns around she slowly turns around and (laughs) and that's when she noticed oh shit I'm in trouble so Shotzi appears Bailey's begging for forgiveness she is that's pressing her and she then brings out a razor to cut off Bailey's hair which Bailey quickly retreats and Shotzi chases her and the person who was in that tank was none other than EO's opponent, Zelina Vega. 
Speaking of which, they had another match, and so far, Zelina has one win over Io. Now, Io did have the match won when she spots Bailey being attacked by Shotzi. And she gets distracted by this, and usually we could say dumb babyface syndrome, but this is dumb heel syndrome right here. Like, focus on the goddamn match. Like, and I say this every time, Bailey is going to be the one that's holding EO back. And I, I guarantee, if EO cashes in her Money in the Bank briefcase at SummerSlam, and she wins the title... They could tell a story about her being jealous. But when you think about it, now that I think about it, Zelina Vega, once again, she beats EO. And if EO wins the title after a successful cash in, they could have Zelina feud with EO. While Shotzi feuds with um while Shotzi feuds with uh Bailey. And the reason I would have EO win the title, Bianca and Charlotte, they don't need the title to feud. They don't. And I hope WWE is aware of that. You don't need either Charlotte or Bianca to have a title to feud. They, they, they could do it without the title. And I could see, like, Charlotte being the last person that Bianca needs to beat. She's beaten Sasha. She's beaten Bailey multiple times. She's beaten Becky Lynch. The only person that she hasn't beaten one-on-one -on -one is Charlotte Flair. You don't need the title. Like, you could do Zelina and Io as a feud, and Zelina could have a point. I beat you twice. And I want that title. And then you could do Io and Asuka, which I think everybody will love to see. But Zelina Vega, she she gets the win again because Io was distracted by Bailey. And then sooner or later we could have Bailey and Io feud. I, I definitely see that happening. And in the main event, main event Jay Uso. That's like the I don't know, is this the third time Jay Uso has main evented SmackDown? I've already lost count. But and I mean that in a good way. Jey Uso, Solo Sokoa, they had a fun main event match. I thought the match was fun. And Jey Uso, he speared Solo Sokoa, hit the, the Uso splash for the win. And Solo Sokoa, after the, after the match being the sore loser, attacks Jey from behind and sends him crashing into the ring post. He grabs a chair from the timekeeper's area, but Jey super kicks it out of his hand and cracks it across his spine repeatedly. He then hits him with, with it in the head and stands tall. Well, he super kicks him in the head with the chair. And he stands tall on the commentary desk, hyping the crowd up for the final SmackDown for SummerSlam. Again, this episode of SmackDown was pretty much filler, but they did their best to try to hype up the build for this pay-per-view, but again, it was just filler. But other than that, that's the best way I could say it. Filler. But that's it for this episode. I am getting the heck out of here, guys. Man, with the Lufisto AEW drama, the Vince McMahon stuff, the Elite re-signing, 
it's a newsworthy um episode to say the least. Now make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, Shino D Phoenix. Follow me on Instagram, Cool Sip. That's C Y P. By the way, make sure you spell it right. Um, follow me uh, on uh, on Kick and Twitch. All of them is Shino Phoenix. Um, follow me on TikTok, Shino D Phoenix. Subscribe to I'm about to say follow. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Shino D Phoenix, and like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That way, you guys can stay up to date. And until then. Take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can. Make sure you enjoy SummerSlam. Hopefully WWE continues their streak with good pay-per-views. We'll see. This is a this is a test. This is a test to see if they could continue their streak. But I will talk about SummerSlam in the next episode. And of course, we're going to be talking about the G1. Because I know that's going to be coming to an end pretty soon. So I will be discussing that. So until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can, and this Phoenix flies off. I'm going to talk to y'all later. Peace out. See you next episode.